Hello and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast 198. My name is Mike Anello. Sorry for the little break we took. I've uh, been a little bit under the weather, but I think I'm back. And uh, we've got a bunch of podcasts lined up for the next couple weeks, which we'll be parsing out over the next month or so. So, um, no, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we're gonna, today we're going to kick it off with Dave Hall from uh, the other side of the world, for me at least. Um, Dave goes by the Drupal.org username Squashed. I think that's the right way to pronounce it, right, Dave? Yeah, you got it right. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, you're the managing director at Dave Hall Consulting um, in Australia. And what part of Australia are you in? Uh, so I live in the countryside about two hours out of Melbourne on the edge of a town of 450-odd people. Oh, my. So that's, uh, that is, that is, that's out there regardless of the country that you're living in, I guess. Yeah. So is it mainly ranching out there, or like what's the what, no? What um, like there, there's some people who keep sheep. Um, there's um, wheat and um, canola and stuff like that grown as well. Yeah. Are you near yeah. the coast or no? No, I'm inland. So here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing you surrounded by um, a lot of dangerous uh, snakes and spiders. Uh, so we have the world's second most deadliest snake um, where I live, and we've seen we see them occasionally. Okay, that's fantastic. Um, I'm better you than me, I guess. Is what I'm saying there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're welcome to come visit and check them out. <laughs> well, actually, I saw when we get to your five questions. Um, that's kind of one of the questions is related to this, so um, we're hoping to get a, a good answer. Um, but actually, what I want to start with you is. Um, we're going to talk about Drupal distributions. Uh, that's kind of our main topic. Um, you've been presenting and, and writing some blog posts about the state of Drupal distributions, which uh, um, I'm kind of fascinated by, and, and you've got some really uh, intelligent things to say about it. So we're going to get there in a second. But as I was doing my homework, um, I found out that, and I, I like the way you put it on your profile page, that it's your fault that we're using Symfony in Drupal 8. Um, and I actually clicked the link and looked around a little bit and it seems that you and, oh, I forgot who the other person was all of a sudden. Maybe you can help me out. Dick Olson. Thank you very much. Uh, you and Dick Olson, um, uh, started the thread to start talking about bringing in, um, you know, a third party component for Drupal's routing system. Um, that's pretty interesting. So how, how did that, how did that come about? Um, so I was hanging out on IRC, I think it was one evening, and uh, there was a whole discussion about wanting to change how Drupal um, routed HTTP. And uh, there was a bit of a conversation, and thereafter some people who uh, were interested in doing a review of the Symphony 2 HTTP um, component and Zen frameworks. And at the time I'd done several projects with Zen framework and was familiar with it. And I hadn't really done much with Symphony's component. And so, uh, Dick and myself were tasked with, um, going off and having a look and seeing what we could learn about the two. And, um, I already knew Dick a bit we kind of um both worked on uh projects for al jazeera although not together 
and we um, had um, been involved in a couple of things in the community in the past as well. And so then we um, had a bit of a look at things and it was immediately clear that while um, the Zen component was really good, it was really tightly coupled with their MVC implementation. So at the time, there was the idea was to bring bits and pieces of other projects into Drupal, but I don't think back then, well, I certainly didn't think that the vision was to pretty much rewrite um, Drupal um, as what happened with Drupal 8 in the end. Um, but it really felt like going with Zend would have meant substantial changes to Drupal. Um, and so Symphony seemed like a better fit and an easier thing to start integrating. And so that was our recommendation. And um, then in just to continue um, that the story of um, Dick and myself working together, in Portland, um, at DrupalCon, I caught up with Dick and we had a bit of a chat about him um, coming to uh, work at Pfizer where I was a contractor. And yeah, these days I'm still a contractor and he's my boss. So it's, um, it's, a, it's been a, um, a long time we've been working together and it, it's been um, really good trying to think about how um, Drupal can um, be this framework that is um, able to deliver um, powerful websites for people. So that, that, that's really, that's a cool story. Um, I'll put the link to the issue. Um, the, that original issue um, in the show notes for anybody who kind of wants to read through. It's actually not a super long issue. Um, I mean, it's not one that has, you know, multiple pages of comments. So um, it's, a, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so I don't think people understood what we were proposing back then or else there would have been multiple pages of comments. So let's, um, real quick, let me um, take a little uh, sidetrack here and talk about a new sponsor to the Drupal Easy podcast, um, uh, DrupalAid.com. So they are, DrupalAid is a Drupal support and maintenance service uh, company for um, Drupal sites for Drupal Core 6, 7, and 8. Um, they were born out of Drupal Geddon way back in 2014, three years ago now. It doesn't, it seems like it wasn't that long ago. Um, when that happened, they, they were contracted to fix um, literally hundreds of sites that needed the patch um, to, to, um, to get around the, this Drupal Geddon bug that was found. Um, and they realized there was you know, kind of an opportunity there. There were a lot of sites out there that were running just smoothly and stuff, but the, the original developers weren't available or weren't interested in, in keeping the sites up to date and maintaining them and even like the little one-off maintenance tasks. Um, so that's kind of how DrupalAid uh, was born. Um, their plans are very reasonable. They start at um, $99 a month without any setup fees. Um, they do same-day critical security updates for your sites. Um, and we'll be talking about DrupalAid um, over the next uh, uh, a couple months at least uh, on the podcast. So I don't want to spoil everything, but 
I will say um, one of the things they do offer that's kind of unique is they do provide complimentary malware hacking cleanup for any client. So that's kind of interesting. So if you do get hacked, not only will they help you, um, you know, kind of prevent being hacked again in the future, but they'll help uh, clean up the mess. Um, so definitely check them out at DrupalAid.com, and we look forward to uh, hearing more about them in the coming podcast episodes. So Dave, you and I, we've been trying to get this podcast uh, episode recorded for at least a couple of months. <laughs> I think that's being, being a little bit generous. Um, yeah, I think we first started talking about it in Baltimore, and yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of dragged on since then. <laughs> Um, but you've had, this has kind of been an itch that you've been trying to scratch and, and something you've been talking about and thinking about a lot. And, um, I can summarize it by asking you the question, you know, are distributions still a thing? I, I think they should still be a thing. Um, but I think the way we're doing them is wrong. And, um, I, there's a few things I think that the Drupal community is doing wrong, but one of them is distributions and this goes my concerns go all the way back to distributions that were built by development C back in the day so mm-hmm. open atrium and um Aga, which we can get into Aga as a, a separate thing later if you want but um the number of projects i've come across where someone has taken open atrium and then just hacked the hell out of it and made it completely unmaintainable. Right. Um, you know, it's crazy. And it happens less these days with Atrium, but there's other distros like um, Commerce Kickstart or Agov or things like that that people pick up, they start um, building the site, and then they need to go beyond what the distribution provides. Yeah, I'll add, a, I'll add Panoply to that list from personal experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, Panoply is certainly on that list. Um, I also um, know of projects where people have tried to extract bits of Panoply or other distros and tried to build that into existing projects and stuff. And I, I don't believe that it's really working. It's not serving our users well. And... It's not serving the the people building those distros very well either because they've got this massive maintenance overhead of trying to maintain these distros that um, a whole bunch of people are using, but they're not using them how they were originally intended. And um, so upgrade paths for everyone just becomes painful. Yeah, I, I describe it to my clients who are interested in using distribution um, as follows. I, you know, I, I talk about how when you build something with Drupal core and contributed modules and you put it together yourself, you're, you're putting your trust in the community, you know, in this big Drupal community that if there's a security issue or, or a bug that the community is going to release a new version of Drupal core or you know, your, the, the, the contributed modules that you're going to use. Um, but when you build with a distribution, you're, pu- you're putting your group in a much smaller number of people. Um, you're, you're, you're putting your trust in, in the people who are maintaining that distribution um, to keep it up to date, to keep it secure. And I, I'm not sure if that payoff is always worth it. Yeah, and I think you're also um, 
having to accept the judgment of a small group of people as to what is best when it comes to the the implementation as well and if their um, vision deviates from yours then um, you've got um, you've got to decide if you're going to continue down that path or um, start building your own thing anyway right so um, one of the links I'm going to have in the show notes here is uh, a link to a blog post you put up on, 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 on your website called Drupal Puppies, which I think is an absolutely fantastic analogy. So why don't you tell us about what Drupal Puppies means? Yeah, so I was um, trying to um, come up with a way of conceptualizing distros where I didn't need a paragraph of text to explain what I meant. And so the idea of Drupal puppies came to me and it's like once you take the the puppy home, it's yours. You know, if it makes a mess, you need to clean up after it, you need to feed it, you need to give it shelter and so on. And I see the same thing with most Drupal distros, um, that rather than it being... A, a thing that the maintainers need to um, be responsible for maintaining and ensuring that there's always a smooth upgrade path from one version to the next, that we can have this idea of puppies where you take the, the distro home and it's yours to, to look after. So when you talk about distributions, um, you're kind of grouping them into a couple of categories, um, starter kits and targeted products in, in, your, in your blog post. Um, yeah, go ahead and describe those two categories. And, and how, yeah. yeah, so I, I think that um, the, the starter kit is what most people are after when they pick up a distro. They've got a client who has a list of requirements and there's a distro that gives them kind of 80% of the functionality. Sometimes it's 75, sometimes it's 90, but it, it gets them a fair way down that road of building out the, the client's requirements. So they can take that, but instead of, um, you know, downloading a tarball off, Drupal.org and installing it and all of that stuff that they uh, run a composer create project with the URL that points to the, the project on Drupal.org and that actually gives them a new project and from that point onwards they've actually forked that starter kit and rather than it being the blah 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 starter kit it's now the whoever client project and it's the puppy <laughs> yeah yeah it is, it is definitely the puppy from that point um you know you've bought it it's yours um and um you know it sounds like um your sponsor drupal a is one of these companies that does actually adopt stray puppies um but um over like in general, there, there isn't a pound that you can just go dump your unwanted puppies at. Like you're kind of stuck with them. Um, so that that's kind of how I, I see the, the starter kit side of things working. And I think if 
developers and users are going in with that mindset. It sets everyone's expectations as to um, what's going to happen here. And if the, the distros are built well, where it's essentially um, a, a nice installer with a bunch of contrib modules, then I think that it, it's quite easy for someone to build upon that and extend it. Um, and then the other one is the targeted product. And I think that most of the, the existing distros like uh, Atrium, for example, are targeted products. Um, they, they don't say straight up that they're targeted products, but they, they really should be seen in that sense. Whereas um, Open Social, for example, they're, they're pretty upfront. They say, you know, here is our, our product and they run a open SaaS model. So the, they've got a hosted version of Open Social and then they've got the code that you can go and take and use and you'll probably end up hacking it and making your upgrade path awful. But um, that option is there when the code's available. But I see that um, that the targeted products um, does actually provide a way of monetizing these distros as well. I think we've seen too often that people get really excited they build a distro, they get it out there, they get a bunch of users who, rather than um, actively contributing to the project, they they file bug reports and they they find problems with um, what people have built, rather than and even um, building a community around a, a product actually takes a lot of effort. Just reviewing pull requests and um, providing people feedback and deciding if um, a, a certain feature that someone's proposing fits with your vision for the product takes time and mental energy. So um, if these are more targeted products, then I think it makes it a lot easier for these people to say, well, this is our vision, this is our roadmap, um, that the, the code is here and available, but our primary focus is you know, our SaaS offering over here that um, is where we're getting our money from. And their contributions back to Drupal are through the, the patches and enhancements to the contrib modules that they build on top of. So Dave, so one of the points or one of the things you just said, I, I think is really important to kind of reiterate and, and maybe dive into a little bit. Um, and that's the idea of um, distribution maintain or setting expectations for the distribution. Um, and expectations for a starter kit versus a targeted product would be very different. And I don't even want to get into even like the, the technical aspects uh, yet, but um, like I know that when, I, when I've used distributions in the past, it's exactly as you said, it got me 80, 90% of the way of what I wanted to build, but there's still some 10, 15% um, that I needed to build on top of it that might be making changes to, you know, a Drupal 7 feature that came with a distribution or something like that. And um, I would, you know, I would love for the distribution to say, you know, this is a starting point. Um, if you need to make changes, you know, it's fine. Go ahead. Here's, here's how that's possible. 
where just like you said, targeted products, the expectation should be that this is what we're offering. Um, We are in charge of the roadmap. We suggest you use it as is. You can add a theme. Maybe you can do these two or three, you can turn these features on or off, but we've designed this to run this way. And, you know, support requests for things that change the basic behavior will not be considered or, or something along those lines, just so people understand what that distribution, not only what the distribution is offering, but what the maintainers of the distribution are offering. Um, yeah, I, I think that, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. You're the guest. Yeah. I'm just the host. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think that that is um, really important. And I think that even applies to a certain degree to module maintainers as well. Setting expectations around what the, the, the feature set of the module is. And so um, users know when they come along that um, they're idea that's going to fundamentally change the the module is probably not going to get accepted and they probably should rethink their their plan whereas um if the the idea is that you know you want to have you know some some small change um that that can probably be accepted by upstream but rather than if it's a targeted product i think that um, turning up with a patch going, I've just added five fields to one of the node types is probably not going to get accepted. Whereas if you turn up open an issue and say, I think here's my use case, here's um, a problem I've run into, this is how we've solved it, do you want a patch for it, is going to start a, a conversation with the, the distro maintainer and then they can provide the feedback and then you know if you're going to be carrying a patch um, for the rest of your life or if they're going to um, accept that. So let me add, um, you know, so you mentioned two categories, starter kits and targeted products. Um, When I read the article, I immediately thought of a third category that you might consider it might fall into one of your two categories. So let me ask you about this. Something I use um, distributions uh, for um, in the past is mainly just as a demo or to see how something is done. And and the great example of this one, I think, is Commerce Kickstart. Um, Commerce Kickstart is a huge distribution. It does a lot. It's got sample content. Um, But I've used it in the past because... I've played with it enough to say, oh, that's a kind of a cool feature. Um, and, you know, I'd go and I'd, I'd be working on a client site, a, a commerce client site, where they would want a similar feature. And I'd fire up the distribution just to see how they built it, just to see what modules were involved, if there was any code involved, what the configuration was. Um, so it's not like I was using it for an actual site. I was using it just as almost like a reference um, uh, material. Um, and every now and then, I think I've used Commerce Kickstart as a demo in front of clients, saying, "Here's the type of thing we can build for you." Um, is that is that a, is that different from one of your two categories? So, um, first off, I'll say that I have seen um, Commerce Kickstart uh, sites hacked up and running in production, and I think that because Commerce 
Um, there's so much there, and it's so involved to get a, a good commerce site going that a lot of people take commerce kickstart, show it to the client. The client's like, oh, that's fantastic, but can we have X, Y, and Z? And then they just hack it on top of kickstart, which is where you start to get some of the maintenance issues and things like that. Um, the way you're using it, I think, is great, but that, for me, really fits with the um, the targeted product. And now it, it's not a, a SaaS, open SaaS kind of model, which is where I think a lot of the targeted product should be heading, but I think that it is still a targeted product and that the use case they're targeting is people who want to... Um, showcase and understand the power of Drupal Comet. And so I see that it's just another product. Um, and I think that I think that it is a really good showcase, but um, I think too many people use it as a starter kit. And maybe that's something for Ryan and the team to, to sit down and figure out how they can provide a, a true kickstart um, starter kit and also provide the, the showcase product um, demo that you're describing. So let's let's kind of get into um, the technical side of this a little bit because um, obviously right now, and to be honest, I'm you know I haven't played with well I've probably played with a couple distributions in Drupal eight um, more just for demoing and playing with and not for any client work yet. Um, but I know that with in Drupal seven, when you use a, a distribution, you know that's it's basically um, uh, implemented as a profile. So when you actually do your initial installation, you are selecting the Commerce Kickstart profile or the Panoply profile or the you know X Y and, and, and Z profile, um, and you're kind of stuck at that point because. Six, nine, twelve months down the road, when you go to, um, you know, when when it's time to update modules and stuff, you have to you have to update the, the profile as a whole, as opposed to any of the modules inside of it. Or you don't have to, but that's the recommended, the best way of doing it. Um, and that makes sense if it's a targeted product. But once you use it as a puppy or as a starter kit. I, to me, that falls down pretty quickly. So, um, in your mind, technically, is there any difference, or, or what is the difference? You know, in, let's talk specifically Drupal eight in creating a starter kit versus creating a targeted process. Because I have an idea of what the answer is, but I, I'm just curious if if we're on the same page. Yeah. So I think that you know um, we'll ignore the differences between seven and eight in terms of one's going to use BrushMake and the other's going to use a composer file and all of that stuff. But you for the the starter kit, um, you have your list of modules that form part of the, the distro and um, you would have um, an installation profile. Ideally, you would have a script for creating a unique um, installation profile for your particular um, implementation of that project. Um, and then, like, in terms of updating the, the modules and maintaining the, the list of um, 
modules. That then becomes your responsibility at that point. So um, if you want to add in um, some additional modules, you can add those in. If you want to update a particular module, you can update that uh, particular module, apply additional patches, uh, run your test suite, and know that you haven't broken anything. And for a good um, starter kit, they would ship with um, tests, so you would know when you're breaking that kind of stuff. Um, maybe that's a bit much, expecting maintainers to give you a full test suite, but you know we can live in hope. Um, whereas if you're doing a targeted product, then you have that fixed installation profile, the um, the upstream um, maintainers of that um, that product, they prepare releases and you know you you take that uh, release and run with that. So that the difference one is your kind of maintaining everything going forward the other is like with the targeted product um like if it's part of a platform that's hosting you know dozens or even hundreds of sites they're going to have a pretty well tested upgrade path for each release so you run the um the update and fingers crossed everything still works that's kind of where I think that that's kind of the crux of my question, and I'm not sure I, I, I understand yet. Um, if if there's a distribution that is a starter kit, and I build a site based on that that distribution or that starter kit, um, and then three months down the line there's an update to that starter kit, is the expectation that I'm, you know, I'm not well. I, I would expect that it's like a puppy. You know, I, I took the puppy home and, you know, maybe in nine months they've bred a better puppy, but I'm not going to get the, 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 you know, the better puppies updates in my site because I've already taken my puppy home. So that's where I, I kind of see like the, the, it being a profile could possibly cause some conflict there because Drupal's going to see that there's a new version of that profile or that distribution and it's going to be pinging me, hey, you know, download this, this update where I, by that time, it's my puppy. I've trained it to do tricks that nobody else would train it to do. And I don't want that update because it might, you know, break what I have on my, on my site. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, you're, you're exactly right when you say that you've already uh, trained your one to do tricks. Um, like you don't, you don't go back to having an untoilet trained nine month old puppy. Um, you, you, you keep yours, but that's um, where I think like with Drupal 8, it's easier um, because you can actually have um, plugins in um, your composer JSON file that generate a unique installation profile for that, um, that site. And I I will double check if it is um, public publicly released, but I know that there is a a script around to actually hydrate a a installation profile. Um, so I'll if that's available, I'll make sure that it ends up in the show notes. But the basic idea is you have 
a collection of templates and when that particular script is run, it just goes and populates the, the variables in the template to give you a uniquely named ready-to-go installation profile that sets up that um, sets up that puppy in his or her new home. So is is there um, I mean is there momentum in the in the community about kind of formalizing this idea of different kinds of distributions or is there well maybe not momentum maybe just talk of it other than than here. <laughs> Um, so when I was in Vienna, well, first I, this, the first time I talked publicly about this was during my keynote at Drupal Camp Belgium, um, earlier this year. And there was a fair bit of interest around the, the idea of, uh, puppies. And there were several people who spoke to me about it in Vienna as well. So there is some real interest in the community about how we understand distros and how we conceptualize them. The the thing for me, um, like I'm based in the middle of nowhere in Australia, and so getting to uh, the larger Drupal events is not so easy. Um, but I I have been having conversations with people about this stuff. And there does seem to be some consensus that distros as they are at the moment are a bit broken and we need to figure out how to fix those problems. And people seem to think I'm on the the right track. The other side of this is these days I still do Drupal-related work, um, but I spend far more time writing automation scripts in Python than I do writing Drupal code. it's just the way um, my work is gone, but I'm certainly happy to talk to people and provide advice and input into how I think this problem can be solved. Yeah, because I definitely think for for the, the type of work that I do and that I see a lot of other people doing, um, the starter kit you know, solves a lot of problems that I find with distributions. Um, and I built a bunch of sites based on distributions in Drupal 7. And I'm, before, I, I kind of really saw that it was causing me more problems than it was solving. Um, and I haven't, I haven't built one in, you know, built a site off a of distribution um, in D7 or D8 in a couple of years. And I, I don't think I would do it again just because of, you know, the, the, some of the problems that we talked about today. Um, but, and I, it sounds like the, I, the concept of a starter kit solves most, if not all of those issues. Yeah. And I've seen, um, that there are some large users of Drupal who are heading down this road of having, like, rather than having, you know, the corporate installation profile, because, that never really works because to a certain degree, every Drupal site is to a greater or lesser extent a snowflake. Um, so by having the, the starter kit approach, you accept that each one is unique, just like every dog is unique. And um, they're having these um, installation profiles that are generated and creating the, the starter kits 
um, so people can get up and running and building with their preferred collections of modules and basic setup. Right, 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 right. All right, so let's um, let's wrap up kind of this part of the discussion. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through the top, uh, and we'll go through the top five distributions for Drupal 7 and Drupal 8, and just get your opinion real quick on whether you see them as a starter kit or a targeted product. Fair enough? All right, so we'll start with Drupal 7. Um, a couple that we mentioned right off the top, Commerce Kickstart, I think you already mentioned is more of a targeted product. I, I think it should be a, more of a targeted product, but I think that they also need to look at what their um, starter kit would look like as well. Sure, and Panoply is an obvious one, I think. Yeah, um, I think Panoply is very much a, a starter kit. Um, it, it can also be that kind of demo of the power of panels and sure. the associated bits, but I think like if I was in charge of the product roadmap, I'd be suggesting make it a starter kit. How about um, this is what I haven't played with Opingo Learning Management System, Opingo LMS. Yeah. So when you, oh, um, oh, I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Opingo. Yeah. Um. So when you gave me the heads up that um you wanted to do this run through, I saw that one in the list. I've never come across it. It sounds to me like it's a targeted product. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, actually, I think, actually, it's from one of the, the universities, I think. I now vaguely remember saying something about it. Um, I'm just pulling it up to have a look. Well, the supporting organization um, is an organization called Connect I. Yeah. Um... I'm actually, no, I think I'm confusing this with another one. Okay. Yeah. And to me, I think it's a, I think it is a, a product, but. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I should have done more homework. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not a test. We are not graded on this, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, oh. uh, cool. <laughs> Open Atrium. Okay. So Atrium is like one of the oldest distros around and really, um, was the first modern Drupal distro. Um, I think that it really should be a targeted product, but I still see far too many people using it as a, a starter kit. Yeah, I learned my lesson with that one. That's the one I learned my one of the hardest lessons on, where I've I, I, I used it as a starter kit, got burned, and I backtracked, and now you know use it pretty much as a, as a as a product. Yeah, I think um, everyone has face planted badly using <laughs> atrium at one point or another uh okay then how about a, another obvious one i think um zircon profile yeah i think this one is a, a starter kit um i've never used it um but yeah i think that their their intention is for it to be a starter kit right absolutely and those are all those are all drupal 7 so let's look at the top five drupal 8 distributions yep just um before we jump over um number six on the number seven uh, on the drupal seven list is drupal commons which has been abandoned by acquia so um it's interesting that even once these distros um end up being unmaintained that 
um, there are people still using them. Yeah, that's that's a real problem. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a real problem. Um, all right, so ready to go to the Drupal eight side? Yeah. Okay, so this one's kind of uh, obvious because it says it right in the title, but uh, Varbase is the is the top distribution for Drupal eight. Yeah. So this is an interesting one. I um, came across it in during DrupalCon Vienna, and I had a really good chat with um, Muhammad from Varbase. Um, disclosure: He also gave me um, a Drupal T-shirt in Arabic, which I love. Um, but um, talking to Muhammad, his idea is that this is actually something that they intend to have an upgrade path for. He um, disagrees with my view that, you know, once you install the, the starter kit, it's, um, the upgrade path isn't there. So although it is a starter kit, they are looking at maintaining it. So we'll, we'll see um, if he's still got that same idea in two years' time when... Um, They've got all the open issues and people um, hacking it, trying to keep it working and stuff. Yeah, they've, they've been very, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but uh, there's a lot of updates with this. There's, there's a lot of moment, a lot of movement with, with Varbase. So, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it's good. And um, it was really good talking to Muhammad and seeing how excited he was about the product. So I think it is at least for the time being, um, it's got some real energy and momentum. So the second one is kind of a, kind of a one-off here, the config installer profile, which go ahead if you want to explain that. Yeah. So this one, um, it struck me more as a, a POC, um, and it's a way of, um, importing, um, existing configuration. So it's basically to allow you to, it's my understanding, that allows you to stamp out um, clones of a site right. through an installation profile. Correct. Which, you know, is it's a nice idea. Um, I I think that I wouldn't consider it a real distro. I'm sorry, Alex. Um, but <laughs> I think it, it serves a particular use case quite well. Right. I think I don't think Alex will mind you saying that. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Alex Pop yeah. is the maintainer of that. He's one of the, the Drupal 8 uh, core committers. Um, yeah. All right, next on the list, Open Social. Yeah, so Open Social, I'm really excited about. It's a targeted product. It's taken over from Drupal Commons in terms of the, the use case that it targets. Um, I've spoken to several of the people from Gold Gorilla. Um, we're even on a trivia team uh, back in DrupalCon New Orleans. So I think that um, I think it was New Orleans. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a really good example of a a targeted product built as a Drupal distro. How phenomenal was that venue for uh, trivia night in, in New Orleans? In the, in the World War II Museum, underneath the airplanes. Hopefully that's the same. Yeah, idea. yeah, it was good. Actually, no, it was Dublin. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for jogging my memory. Yeah, Dublin was pretty lame compared to the one in New Orleans. Um, but yeah, the, the one in New Orleans was really impressive. 
All right, so four and five on the list. Um, I guess we'll cover them one at a time, but I feel the need that I have to say them together just because they are lightning and thunder. Yep. Um, so lightning, I think, is or should be a starter kit. I know that Acquia is putting work into maintaining upgrade paths and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and, you know, their enterprise client base will love to hear that kind of stuff. Um, but I also think that their enterprise customers are going to be the ones um, hacking it to make it do what they want. So I, I would like to see this one as a, a starter kit, but I also think that um, Acquia uses it a lot as a targeted product for demos, right. showcasing yep. the power of Drupal 8. And um, I think that there's some real value there as well, like, I'm currently working on a, a blog post uh, talking about the uh, out-of-the-box initiative and the concerns I have there. Um, you know, Dries loves to talk about ambitious uh, digital experiences, and I don't think that the, um, the out-of-the-box initiative is going to showcase that. Whereas I think something like Lightning, in terms of... Uh, a ready-to-go demo for the power of Drupal 8. I think it's great. Um, some of the module selection stuff, um, I'd probably disagree on, but I think if you put five people with any real Drupal experience in a room and said, um, you know, name your top 20 modules that have to be in a site, um, you'd have a list of 100 modules. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. And Thunder, uh, I think we I can think all Thunder... agree on Path Auto, though, right? We can all agree. Come on, there, there is some. Yeah, but there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if if it was Drupal Seven, we would have all said um, C tools and views <laughs> and so on. But um, you know, we can. Um, I get your point, I, though. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's coming up to um, midnight here in Australia, so. I don't want to get too into discussions of which module's better. Um, hey, Thunder, you were about to say Thunder. Let's get back on track. Yeah, yeah, I, I was about to go into Thunder. Thunder, um, I don't have a use case for it, but from what I've seen, it's a it's a really nice um, distro. I think it is more of the... Um, it, it's one of these um, distros that's got a bit of an identity crisis i think because it's somewhat of a starter kit and somewhat of a showcase yeah and i feel like i feel like you have to be based on you know what i read in, in your blog post and what we're talking about today i feel like you, you almost have to be one or the other and that it's going to be really difficult to try and be both yeah exactly and um i think the the difference here with um thunder is that it's better media driving it so um you know they they make sure that if it is being used as a starter kit but they want to maintain upgrade paths and all of that that they can because they're going to be running a fleet of sites on this platform right 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 all right well cool let's um i think we covered just about everything we we, we want to talk about did i miss anything dave no i think we've covered it all, all pretty right. well all right very good so um let's um real quick let me just tell you about well not just you dave but everybody who's listening um uh, an upcoming class that i'll be teaching um 
It's called Mastering Drupal Development Workflows with Pantheon. It's our six-week, three half days a week um, online training course, live online. You get to listen to me and see my head in a box on your screen um, for six consecutive weeks, and that alone is sometimes worth the, the price of admission. Um, but it's a, it's a six-week-long training course where we will learn everything from um, Composer to professional developer workflows um, to how to integrate Drupal um, to its maximum on the Pantheon platform, including things like Search API and Solar, um, and, and as well as Pantheon-specific things like uh, Quicksilver. So that class is starting early next year, actually February 27th. Um, but you can go to DrupalEasy.com. There's a big banner on the homepage and get more information about that. And Dave, it looks like you, um, I don't know if you're going to be there, but I, I know you're, you put in the, the rundown that Drupal South starts tomorrow, which by the time this podcast get out, gets out, Drupal South may be ending. But tell us about Drupal South real quick. Yeah, so Drupal South is an annual Drupal Summit um, that shifts between Australia and New Zealand. And uh, this year it's in Auckland, New Zealand, and due to family commitments, um, I'm actually going to miss the first day tomorrow, but I'll be in Auckland for about 20 hours so I can speak on the Friday and then come home for the weekend with family as well. Um, Are you speaking on this topic or a different topic? Yeah, so um, I'm doing my presentation, uh, Drupal from Caterpillar to Butterfly, where I just rant for 45 minutes about everything that I think that's wrong with Drupal and how I think we should fix it. All right, fantastic. Hopefully that's going to be recorded. Yeah. All right, so real quick, let's do five questions with you. Um, So name something interesting that you do outside of Drupal. Yeah, so uh, every year for um, half the school year, I go uh, to the the school that my kids go to and I teach kids how to program Python and build obstacle avoidance robots. Uh, This is the, I think the, this is the second year we've been building the robots and it's the third year that I've been going and teaching the kids how to program. Outstanding. Name the last piece of software that you installed. Um, so it was HyperRiot, which is a distro for running um, Kubernetes clusters on Raspberry Pis. And I finally uh, got around to reflushing them all the other day. So are, are, is the first the answer to the first question, the answer to the second question related or for two different projects? Um, so no, the, the Raspberry Pi cluster is separate from the, the high school stuff, even though we are using um, Raspberry Pis for the high school stuff this year. So uh, next question. So what's a goal that you have, but that you haven't yet accomplished, but kind of scares you? Um, so yeah, I saw this in the, the heads up list and I, I thought that it was um, an interesting question that um, one of the things that I'm actually really bad at is setting um, longer term goals. I just kind of go with the flow and, um, you know, um, see how things work out. And then nothing's really terrifying because you're not kind of building up to having to um, 
you know, achieve this big milestone? So I think, I think you've, you've answered the question. I think the, the goal that you have that you haven't accomplished that's terrifying is setting goals. No, no, because I never intend to set any, so then it never becomes terrifying. <laughs> but actually, probably the one there would be to um, get back to 95 kilos. So um, I did lose some weight earlier this year, and then um, I got caught up in work stuff and travel and, you know, kept on saying it'll be next week um, before I get into exercising. And now the idea of getting out and walking um, kind of, five miles every night like I used to is become a bit terrifying. So yeah, I suppose that's it. Well that's a great goal though. That's that that's a that's a worthy goal. So alright, this one I um yeah, so the last exotic animal that you hand fed. Yeah, so um I can't remember which um exotic animal I last hand fed, but at the local carnival a bit over a week ago, I think it was now um, they had a, a snake guy there and he had a bunch of different snakes and um, my son had a diamond python uh, crawling on him so um, I get I got to hold part of the, the diamond python and for those of you who are wondering they're not venomous at all they're, they're actually quite cute and cuddly compared to the eastern brown snakes that we get here at home. All right, fair enough. And uh, what's this is always my favorite question, but what was your tipping point Drupal moment? Yeah, so back in 2009, I think it was, um, I was on IRC chatting with someone and um, about a different um, open source project. And I went to France to deploy 20 instances of this um, project as a... Um, collaboration platforms and over the space of the first week the client um went from wanting 20 to 2086 instances of this thing and i'm like that just isn't going to be manageable and i already had done some stuff with drupal and what they really needed was content driven sites with authentication and stuff like that so i started off using early pre-alphas of AGA 0.2 and um, after I think it was five months I deployed 2086 Drupal 6 sites using AGA 0.3. Holy cow. Yeah yeah so (laughs) um, back then I was hosting more Drupal sites than Acquia were I think was uh, (laughs) (laughs) was pretty safe to say so um yeah that was when i kind of um like started doing drupal um so after that i realized that there was a a drupal community and um i went to DrupalCon san francisco and um since then i've only missed three drupal cons which was bogota london and denver so I've um yeah um been doing Drupal work ever since pretty much. All right, very good. And where can people find you online? Um, so if you're on a mobile device, please don't go visit my website, um, which is davefold.com.au. Um, I'm I'm a bit like the builder who has the worst looking house in the street because I never have time to work on it. 
the the best place to find me is on Twitter, um, which is just squash, which is S K W A S H D. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, and there's a a range of stuff from me on Twitter. Um, so yeah. Very good. Um, all right. So before we wrap up, let me, as always, thank webenable.com and devpanel.com for their continuing support of the podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, by all means, go to drupalese.com and check out the rest, uh, drupalese.com slash podcast, or you can obviously search for Drupalese and iTunes, Google Play, Miro, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregator platforms. Um, upcoming podcasts, we actually, we're getting, uh, we're getting back into it, um, hardcore this time. We've got, I think three podcasts, um, scheduled for the next two weeks, including a podcast on React, um, and just kind of diving into what the heck React is and kind of a primer for React. Um, we're also going to be talking with the maintainer of the web forum module, uh, coming up and we've got a couple others, uh, on, on the burner as well. So, um. Yeah, thanks for your patience with us. And Dave, as always, um, you know, great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. And, you know, just keep us, uh, you know, let me know if there's any big developments and we'll get you right back on to talk about it. Will do. Thanks for having me. All right, and we'll see everybody on the next Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!